Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I am a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling using the EFT method, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life business and retirement coaching support. I, pro- I provide individual one-on-one session and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMB Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our website can be found at lifecoach10amzalag.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our second episode of season seven, a very special guest, Corbin Elliott. And just like every of my past episode, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Corbin, the floor is yours. What's going on, Dan? It is a pleasure to be here, man. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, So, Corbin Elliott, who is that guy? Um, Corbin Elliott, I'm a dude on the internet who who has gone through some, some, I guess, some, some rough things as a young adult, and really... I see my role in, in my podcast and speaking on other people's podcasts. I sort of help people to navigate, one, difficult times in their lives. I had a really bad anxiety problem. That was really, I guess, my difficulty. Um, but helping people to navigate that in a in a practical way, um, in that, you know, I'm not a professional of any sort. I'm a guy who's lived it, and I essentially feedback the things that worked for me, and then hopefully some of that sticks for people. Um, but, but yeah, so, so that's generally what I do on the internet, and just me personally, uh, I'm a, I'm a guy who came back to music after a, a long path of choosing career paths for maybe some of the wrong reasons, or choosing to pursue things for some of the wrong reasons, um, and I sort of, not preach that, but sort of provide that information back to other people to, to guide them. So so that's a general synopsis of who I am. Okay, well, that's good to the listeners to know who Corbin Elliott is all about. So let, let's delve into the, the, the questions and all. Um, so what what exactly, when you said that you were, you were hit with anxiety in your childhood, what really um, hit you the most in terms of uh, how to deal with your anxiety and uh, what caused it originally? So for me... Honestly, childhood was pretty smooth sailing. I was a really fortunate guy. Um, I had a lot of support. I think I had good friends. I think you know had I had the social group, which you know, as you as you know, is super important for young people. Um, but my anxiety really came as I was moving through college, and the source of it was I was doing things that I knew weren't for me in order to fit in at a cocktail party. I so, um, <laughs> very specifically fit in at a cocktail party. So, and, and most of those things stemmed around what I was going to do for work after college. So, so that was the, the, the primary subject matter. So, really, I, you know, I started off, I was a musician initially. Okay, so I'm, I'm back to musician now. It's uh, in current Corbin time. Um, so, but initially... All throughout high school, all, all throughout really my childhood, I was the guy that everybody was pointing at as like, okay, this guy is going to be a great musician. This is what he's going to do for his life. He makes people so happy when he's on stage, blah, 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 etc. Um, but then I got to college, and I saw, I guess I saw all of these other people doing these um, careers, you know, they're going to be a, a lawyer or a doctor or, or a CEO or, or all these different things, of course, and... 
some, I just had a breakdown at some point. I was just like, okay, I can't do music anymore. It's not stable enough. And, you know, all these things, like, it's not this job that I can say at a party and everybody goes, oh, okay, that makes total sense. He can provide for himself. You know, all, all these, like, it's not a white-collar thing to do. <laughs> and um, a lot of that, I, I took all these turns. First, I started out, you know, I was like, okay, I'll get into the fitness space and be a personal trainer, and I'll do that, and that's practical. And then it was, oh, uh, I think literally somebody came up to me and said, Oh, if you're going to be a trainer, why not go the whole way and be a doctor, which is not even close to the same thing. Um, But, of course, me at that point, as a young, insecure college kid, I was like, okay, I guess I got to do that next, you know, Um, because, you know, just the... the the ideas around that, I guess you could say, as opposed to how good of a fit it would be for me. Um, So I continued to do that, but the problem was, and everything was going swimmingly, you know, until I just started feeling this, like, I don't void. know. It, do what? Void. Yeah, vo- yeah, a void, but also, like, it, it's like I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't be happy, like, any of the time. And I was, I, I had a, a great sense of frustration. So, like, if you would have come up to me and just had a regular person conversation and, and I knew you on some level, I would be primed to just explode over nothing. So I was very frustrated, very um, temperamental, I guess you would say. Um, and it was it, it was very strange in that it was something that was so good to do, you know, and everybody regards it as good to do, but for me it was just like the worst thing possible. But but the problem was the anxiety, in my, in my opinion, you know, like I said, I'm not a psychologist, but what I noticed for myself was Whenever I knew that medicine wasn't the right path for me, but I didn't want—I didn't want to admit that to myself. Like I, like I, I held that, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I, I, like I'm really not liking what I'm doing." I knew that internally. I knew that I wanted to go back to something that where my heart was, what things that I would actually enjoy as I'm as I'm working in it. Um, but I didn't want to admit that to myself, and I think for me, whenever I didn't express that. It said, "Okay, I'm going to express myself," um, and it expressed that through. I had a lot of chest pain, chest tightness. Back, of course, there's the psychological component of, "Oh my gosh, poking holes," to- constantly Google searching, Google searching things, going, "Oh, does the doctor do this?" You know, like trying to find anything to grab onto for for comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was bad. It got to the point where it wasn't just in my mind; it was like in my body. Like I had a lot of tightness in my back. Um, I was getting hurt a lot. And then at the end of the day, I ended up having some really bad muscle spasms, so some psychosomatic pain. Um, I I think I may have sent this in the message to you. Like, I spent a full week in bed, could not, literally could not move without help. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're we're 20, we're 22, 23 at that time. (laughs) I'm like, this is not, this is incorrect. Um, So I got to that point in bed, and I was just like, man, what, what is going to, something's got to change for me, and that changed sort of revolved in me finding myself and then making better moves that reflected what I wanted long term, um, so that sort of helped me get out of that, so that that's really where my anxiety came from, it was career things and doing things that weren't built for me, um, and refusing to admit that they weren't right for me. So, but do you feel that you yeah. were living the life from what other people expected from you, Corbin? Yeah, so there's a couple different things. You know, 
Sure. I think we have a biological motive to fit in. Yes. Um, so I've, I've uh, just like, because I'm, I'm curious and I, I like learning about things, but also things that are important. You know, in, in the concept of evolutionary psychology, one, it's like we have a biological motive to fit in. So we want things that people generally regard as, as good and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I mean, being being a singer and doing well as that, which I was doing in college, I mean, I was touring internationally. Like, I was doing, I was reasonably successful as a musician. Um, I think it more came down to a mating success thing. So, like, as far as, you know, as a woman coming up and meeting someone, it's like, oh, okay, this guy is a doctor. You know, he's got a stable income. He can yes. provide, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be really biological. You know, he can help help me to pass along my genes and children as we okay. child rear or what, you know, all <laughs> these all these things. Uh, to be very technical and, and uh, weird about it. But um, I think that was a big part of it. Um, and making the decision to not necessarily allow things like that to run my life because I realized that, the work I'm going to be doing is going to make up a large chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. And in order to be my prognosis for happiness is, is sort of like, you know, you're feeling more positive emotions than not. And the, the reality is if like I'm going to be spending a lot of my time either, you know, being a doctor or being a singer or whatever, it's like, what do I enjoy doing it while I'm doing it? Exactly. What subject matter am I really drawn to? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was music. So I think making that decision for, a difficult decision to make in the moment, but a good long-term happiness play. So, so yeah. So do you feel that now um, when you do introduce yourself as a singer, do you think people look at you as saying, oh God, this guy's going to struggle kind of thing? Or do you feel that it's now that we see like a lot of singers being so successful, but also behind the scene, there's a lot of them that are struggling. So how are you being perceived in society? Like you said that you're talking, you want to be a part of a, a wolf pack, so to speak. So what do you, uh, how do you like handle some rejection in that regard? It's interesting. So, and that's why I referred to it must have been just looking back on it more of a finding a woman thing. But um, because literally in high school, I was fortunate. I had had the group around me to go, you know, this guy, whatever Corbin does is going to work. Like that, like I was just, you know, as, so I had that behind it. It could have been worse in that regard. Um, But now... I mean, I think I'm definitely different than a lot of the people that I find myself around in that, you know, they have nine to five jobs. A lot of a lot of my friends from high school, which weren't the big musician types. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I, I've received a lot of encouragement. OK, I haven't I haven't received a lot of blowback. OK, I think I think a lot of people see me as someone who's going to make it happen. And and I am talented. So I have that going for me. Um the other thing that I've realized for anybody who is really considering this or what, or maybe they're making a career change or maybe they're my age and they're trying to do something, um, you actually can make it stable. There's there's a thing that is very intro. Like I can have stable income anytime I want. Uh, if I want to teach voice lessons, I can teach voice lessons all day, every day for, you know, for, for students or whatever, and I'm fine. You know, th- there's lots of things you can actually do. So um, I actually don't feel that at odds with being able to make with being able to make money and pay for things myself now and be able to support myself as a young guy um, because once I've gotten into it and had the fortitude to to do what I actually like I'm finding ways to make it work in the same way that I'd be able to with financially with another career path so so actually I'm not I'm doing pretty well at this point in that way beautiful 
Well, you know, the thing is, like, the listeners are now saying to themselves, okay, well, Corbin Elliott has that talent, uh, either to uh, teach music or to write music or to sing, whatever it is. I'm not in his situation. So now when you look at a lot of the graduate single, the, the graduate people out there that are still wondering what is going to be their career path? Are they doing things to be able to make their parents happy, to make their friends happy, to make that person happy, but at the expense of their misery? So how, how would you re, uh, reframe that mindset so everyone can actually start doing the things that they're passionate about? Because let's face it, 86% of the, uh, the American population that actually works hate their job. Okay, right. and that's what we have experienced right now, the great resignation. People are fed up. They just don't want to do what they're doing just to be able to bring a paycheck and to be able to pay the bills. They're fed up with that. So yeah. what would you encourage now the young, popu- the young population, the young generation? What should they do to be able to overcome that uh, expectation? Yeah, so there is a great exercise. I found I cannot take credit for it, but this is what I use to sort of – in the period of going from me, the the guy who was pursuing medicine in bed, to the guy who's back in the music now, this is a great exercise for actually getting more clear about what's going to make you happy. And it's good. Um, it's called the Joy Journal. So there, uh, it, it's very cool. I did this for 30 days. You can do it for whatever time period um, it is. And what you do is at the end of the day, you sit down and you go, what did I actually like... When did I feel good? When did I feel happy? When did I feel joyful during the day? Like, what things? And then you just you free write completely. There's no other model except for that. So you just start writing down. Um, what it, it can be anything from, like, for me, one time it was, uh, I went to Great Clips and got my hair cut. And there's the woman that was cutting my hair, um, having a conversation with her and connecting with her or whatever. Um, and just, just noticing that, and her even saying, man, you can you connect with people. Like if you're in front of somebody, you're like you're they're drawn in and and very and very toned into you, I guess you could say. And just noticing those moments and just free writing those moments, doing that for thirty days. And then at the end of the thirty days or the end of fifteen or whatever period you want to do it, you go back through and you circle you look for commonalities essentially. Um, so you you look for, for states that are common, maybe you're talking to people or maybe you're you're working with numbers or maybe with your family or whatever. Um, and then there's the process of actually building a life out of making making those moments as much of your time as possible. Um, and you can do this. You can do this across a variety of spectrums of your life. This could be a career, which is how I used it. Um, but it could very easily be things across any about how you manage your relationships or um, how you spend your money. It could be anything, really. Um, but that's something I'd really recommend for people just to recalibrate with themselves because at the end of the day, doing, doing, spending more time in things that make you happy, I think, is, is the most important thing. So, so that's one thing I'd recommend for people. Now, the, this exercise that you mentioned, is it to write only the positive things that happen during the day? Or what about some people that feel down? They feel depressed. They feel anxious. Do they have to write that as well? Or is it only to focus primarily on the good part? So for this exercise, now there's, as you know, as a psychologist, there's tons of good journaling exercises. Yes. For this exercise in specific, specifically, it's orienting to the good. So you can do other exercises where you sort of process negative emotions. Yes. Um, and I've got one for 
people in a minute, I can go over this. Um, if they're going through a really, if they're having sort of a uh, a panic a panic attack or or whatever, um, maybe not as as uh, as intense as a panic attack, but like you're you're really struggling, um, something for that. But for this, as far as like reorienting yourself, because there's really two categories. Sorry to be uh, amb- ambiguity and amb- ambiguous, um, mm-hmm. but there's really two categories for me whenever I was getting my navigating out of anxiety, there was sort of like, okay, how do we solve this in the long term? And how do we survive right now? Um, so the solving it for the long term thing for me was the joy journal. Okay. Noticing things and then slowly building the structure of my life and making building priorities out of what did make me happy and figuring out how to frame my life. Um, but going to the negative side, there's there's uh, an exercise I do that's just called a brain dump. So if you're really having a difficult time, um, just I literally would just sit down and write everything I was thinking. Just write, blah, blah, just, just chain of thought the whole page. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is if you're particularly feeling bad. And it is cathartic. I, it, is str- it is mind-blowingly helpful if you are just in a moment where nothing seems to be going right and you're feeling a lot of negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, Writing that out and and expressing those on a piece of paper, getting that out of your head and onto a piece of paper, really helps to reduce the number of voices in your head um, and and have less of the the party of, of angry, scared voices in your, in your head. So that's what I recommend for people if they're really not having a, um, a positive experience. So you know, to get through the day. there's an analogy. It's like when you go and drink a lot of alcohol and then the next day you're hangover and the best way to be able to kind of feel better is basically to vomit all of it off, to just like empty yourself off. So you're doing this mentally instead of physically. And that allows you to be able to clear your mind and to kind of like, at least also be self-aware. Because a lot of people, they are more in denial than self-aware of what's going on in their lives. So because they just don't want to be able to deal with the reality of things. So they just turn their head on the other direction. But yet in their mind, it's still lingering. It's still staying. It's still haunting them. So I think the, you call it what, the dump, what? The dump? uh... I I call it the brain dump. Uh, The brain dump. Okay, yes. So if we use your term, the brain dump, that I think allows people to kind of like, okay, you know what? I'm dealing with this problem as long as they're not holding too long on those negative thoughts, then it's something that they have. It's also something positive come to think of it because we will never be happy all the day, all along, every day of our lives. We're always going to have ups and downs like an EKG. It goes up, it goes down. Systolic and dialectic uh, pressure. So we, we have to realize that happiness is the same. There, some people that I invited in the show, uh, Corbin, they, they said that happiness is not sustainable. And it is true, come to think of it. You cannot be happy all your life, but also you're going to have to just handle the good days and the bad days. Mm-hmm. And I think this is... Yeah. Yeah. I think avoiding that, yeah, or trying to keep it more level, I guess you could say, as opposed to having that real deep, mm-hmm. this sort of helps you to to rebound a little bit easier out of that. Um, that is correct. Because, yeah, sure, we have an external environment that we do not control, and then whenever something happens and we trigger in a particular emotional pattern, right, happiness, you can't keep it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It, totally. Um but this really, continuing to talk about the brain dump, like, even for things that, like, for people that are experiencing shame, like, it helps because in this brain dump, you literally write everything you're thinking. So those things that have never come out of your head in any way, 
like the, the the feelings you have about a certain person or the or the 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 sexual desires or the whatever any anything really that is taboo or if you've never told anybody or even written down this is a step that can really help to relieve shame which sometimes is behind those negative emotions or whatever um so so that that was just a little side thing and also talking about physically throwing up it's more pleasant than throwing up so even that's your constellation prize that, that is a good point, actually. Um, for the Joy Journal, um, do you think that if you do it for more than 30 days, because it says that to be able to create or to adapt a new habit, it has to be between 45 to 60 days. Is it to be able, the 30-day mark, is it to establish a new habit? Or why did no, no, not really. Um, it, so for me, it wasn't. Now, if you if you do it and you see it as beneficial enough, as in like, Maybe you're a changing person, and you can be, especially throughout your life, but especially in your in your twenties. Um, I've found if you want to keep doing it and make it a habit, totally, because um, that way you could really use it for continuing to see. Okay, am I changing? Are things changing for me? Things that I enjoy, which you could do that. I didn't do that. I think it could be helpful. Um, so if you did want to make it a habit, then you could continue to do it. Um, but for my purposes, it wasn't really for a habit. It was just for okay. I need to figure out what I actually want. Mm-hmm. And I saw a month as, one, a pop culture number of things to do, it, but also just something that would give me enough time to um, would give me enough time to have a pattern established. That's really what I cared about whenever I was doing it myself. I just wanted enough days to where I could easily pick out patterns as opposed to it being a, a, a long-term habit. But I can see it as a long-term habit and also getting in the habit as a sort of a secondary benefit, getting in the habit of finding the positive things and, and building that into your to your psychological uh, arsenal, mm-hmm. I think that could be helpful too. But for my purposes, um, it was just to, to reorient myself. So I didn't see I needed more than 30 days, really. Beautiful. Now, do you think uh, that because now you're doing what you love doing, what you're passionate about doing, is your anxiety level dropped considerably or now you have other type of anxiety? It has dropped extremely. Um, so there is a moment, because for me, and I can talk to you about that in a minute, but let me give you the, the gist of it. I used to have, so my attunement to anxiety was, at least on the back half of that, was I'd have a little bit of ex- of uh, tightness in my left uh, pectoralis muscle, my left sort of chest, chest muscle. Um, and that was how I knew that anxiety was coming up. I also learned in that time, but but now I don't have that anymore. So so I, I know that that has been done. But the reason that I, I really use that as a guide now, I've learned to use anxiety as a, okay, something isn't quite aligned right now, um, and using it as a tracking metric as opposed to something that is straight up negative. So it just lets you know that something is not quite aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, I haven't had that any physical symptoms of anxiety in quite a long time now. Um, so that really, ha- as soon as I, I haven't had any, and this is literally the case. This isn't me just elaborating saying, oh, I'm doing the right things now. Um, literally since the time that I sort of made the decision and, you know, got a got a contractor job as a voice teacher and, you know, have started um, looking to tour internationally again now that COVID is sort of doing its thing. Um, I haven't had that physical anxiety anymore. So so that's really good. Now, there still are some things in my life that I'm getting aligned still. So, like, for instance, 
Um, I'm sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now because I don't want to, you know, get an apartment lease or to uh, invest in a new real estate property that I would live in right now because of a possible contract going overseas. So, um, so I, I'm working with that right now. Um, that's really the biggest thing inhibiting me at this moment. Um, so that's something that it, it's it seems to be coming to fruition now for me to to be to be touring again. But um, as for now, that's my biggest roadblock. But I'm not having anxiety anymore, so I'm re- I'm really happy about that. Beautiful. So, what would be your your best piece of advice, Corbin, to all of our listeners that are still questioning themselves about what they want to do in their life? Now, I know when you're 25, it's okay to question up up until 30, 35. Then you really have to kind of kind of like set your mind on something. But what would be your recommendation to all the listeners, a young crowd or the young population about? okay, well, I cannot find myself what to do yet. How should I go about it? Yeah. So one, here's one thing that I that I really recommend doing, in, in addition to the Joy Journal. So I've got the Joy Journal, but past that, um, to make it less theoretical, to ma- I want you to make less things as less theoretical as possible. And what I mean by that is physically trying to do the things that you are interested in in your head. Okay. Um, so, like, as well, as good as classes are and things in college, I would recommend anything you can do to get your hands in the field as far as a career, because that's generally what I talk about, to get yourself in the field doing it. So, like, for me, for the, I even, I tried out the doctor thing. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't overreacting on that. Yes. I also tried, tried lots of different things. I did the trainer thing for a while. I, I tried all these things. Um, Get as close to get as close as you can to every experience that you think you might be interested in as far as a career goes. And from there, actually reflect on those moments at the end of it and go, okay, was that a 10 out of 10 for me? If that experience wasn't a 10 out of 10, it might be good to move on because, you know, you're not going to have a 10 out of 10 every day, but as far as the, the novelty effect, you want it to be pretty close to a 10 out of 10 if you're trying it for the first time. Um, that's my opinion on it. So go out and try things and then reflect on them after you finish that. And, and I would even keep a notebook of them, if you're, especially if you're in college or if you're a young adult. Um, doing these things, keeping a notebook, and then the winners, you keep those in the circle. But don't leave it all theoretical in your mind because that is the more convenient thing to do, but it's also more inaccurate. Oh, I see, I see. Well, that actually, it's a very, very good point. And also, when it comes to uh, what you just mentioned, uh, Corbin, um, a lot of people always say, I'm going to ha- I'm going to be happy once I have my home. I'm going to be happy once I found my spouse. I'm going to be happy when I have my new job. It's always when or, or if. So is that the mentality that they should have when it comes to, uh, to their level of happiness? Yeah, I think, I think it's great that we have the ability to broadcast into the future and make predictions about things. And, you know, I think that's good as a, as a human race, but I think, it's important to realize that the things that are going to be the most sustainable happiness is focusing on when you're doing it, is it making you happy? Mm-hmm. I, um, as, a, as opposed to chasing a carrot, which can be rewarding. Mm-hmm. But make sure you have the important, make sure you have the component. The most important component is spending your life doing things that bring you joy. Um, so figure out a way to structure your life in that the right now, not the 10 years from now is going to make you happy. Um, and I think you can start making, the, even if it's 
the small decisions, even if it's a little activity, a little hobby that makes you happy, start doing that because you can do that today mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a big career shift that you need to get educated for or whatever. So, like, start building things into your life today that you have seen in your drawer journal, maybe, if you do that, uh, but you just know that make you happy and start prioritizing that more. So you mean so that, that would be one thing. Focusing on planting seeds. Yeah, focusing on planting seeds, but even with... Even some things that are no seeds required, like uh, I like, I like playing tennis, but for some reason I don't play tennis. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, um, like as simple as this, you don't even it doesn't have to be this big macro level just to feel be a little bit happier right now as opposed to when I get the house in ten years. <laughs> like today, just go. Oh, I like playing tennis, and I like socializing. Why don't I join a group that plays tennis? Like, like do that stuff as a like start prioritizing your own happiness because you know what. If you know what makes you happy, start doing those things more that don't even take the seed planting necessarily. I see. Well, you've heard it, ladies and gentlemen, about uh, what you should go from this point for, especially to all the uh, college graduate. I think uh, Corbin uh, um, Elliott's like, advice is really pinpointing into how you should perceive from this point forward and how to be mindful thinking about today. But on that note, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. And I really do appreciate you, Corbin, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope that you've all enjoyed episode uh, today's episode. And I'm very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season seven of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories just like the one that you're listening to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. Negativity keeps you blind to opportunities. It keeps you blind to the good in this world for whatever is left of it. It holds you hostage for your true potential. Negative people will always remain in the prison of their own self-imposed limits. Sometimes it's a life sentence because they convince themselves that there is no way out. Parole is not even an option as they don't allow an ounce of positivity to be considered in their daily lives. More they accept negativity to be a, a part of such and more they allow themselves to be surrounded by other negative people. It's not surprising to hear that misery attracts misery. For some, it becomes some sort of addiction to being miserable as this is, this is where they feel the most comfortable in. They seek empathy from others for living such a distasteful life. It is crucial to change your mindset by changing your environment. Therapy can help, but it all starts from within. You're in full control of your own destiny. Start changing it today. My name is Dr. Dan Emzelag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.